Welcome back to another episode of All Things Red. On today's episode, I got uh, someone that is definitely an interesting person to say the least, Trayvon Tony. Um, him and I met when we were at Hobart. He was a Hobart football player. Now he's uh, in New York doing big things. Trayvon, how my my guy? How we doing? I'm doing well, doing well, brother. How you doing today? Thank you for the introduction, man. It was beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> of course so um you know i definitely wanted to get you on because you know we uh we became friends when i was at hobart and then obviously once i transferred um through like just the group of guys that you know we're friends with stayed in touch and then obviously saw you a couple times after graduation in college and still stayed in touch so i wanted to get you on because i think you're doing dope shit in life so uh so that's that's how that's how we landed here. Yeah, no doubt. <laughs> <laughs> of course. So, um, you know, kicking it off with you, um, you know, for people that don't know you, who is who is Trayvon? Like, what are you all about? Um, so, I mean, want to know about Trayvon? Pretty much, I'm more of a, a family oriented guy. Um, I come from a large background of uh, family members on Long Island, uh, from the South, actually, where uh, my family originated. Um, huge family like I can't even fathom amount that we actually honestly have so that resonated with me a lot in growing up in the ages uh, when I was a kid being with the family so then moving on um, I love sports um, really connected to all sports uh, I love ten- watching tennis <laughs> really <laughs> enough I know I love football but tennis is a, a great sport to watch for some reason I just love watching it um connected to everything there um and i'm really trying to be connected more with the youth nowadays and uh helping them guide uh to the right route in life and not uh taking the the wrong steps or the steps that you didn't you wish they didn't take you know trying to correct Mm -hmm. those things there now was there uh anything that you did growing up that you were just like man that was kind of straight out of immaturity and not knowing right from wrong or was (laughs) I mean, me read, you want me to read the book on that one? Or you wanna... <laughs> no. no, I know. I just meant like, is there something that uh, that you did or did not do maybe that kind of put you onto that and was like, all right, once, you know, I get I get shit going with myself, I'm going to try to give back or like, what was like the thought process there and how that began? Yeah, no, 100%, man. Like where, where I grew up, where I grew up wasn't like the nicest place, it was a little bit rough around the edges. So, um, and not being caught up in that life that you see or I seen outside the window of uh, guys doing narcotics or, or selling narcotics or some kind of sort as that. And then just pushing yourself to be able to step outside that realm um, and be able to have growth is one of the things that helped me to become to where I am now, as in football played a major role in that, as in I had something to put my mind on and focus at instead of sit there and dwell in the situation that we was in. So that to me there in itself helped me propel myself to a different level and uh, to move forward. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I know I see some kids fall into that life. Some do have the right mindset to turn around and that's the kids I like to talk to, like the kids I like to tackle and uh, push them to be better. Now, you know, something me and you have had conversations on was the role, how big of a role that our moms play in our life. Because I know 
you know, I mean, we haven't gotten into it too personally, but I know just from convos we had in the past that um, yeah. your mom is, you know, your number one fan, but obviously yeah. you're her number one fan and she plays a role into kind of like your mindset and how successful you want to be and ultimately yep. will be. Um, now with the whole growing up and trying to stay out of trouble and shit, my mom always had me in sports because it was just her by herself raising me. Mm -hmm. She had me at 17. So like sports were my daycare and it kept me away from, I would say bad situations. Was that something that was similar with you growing up is that your mom was like, nah, like Trey, you're playing sports. So like, you're not on. Yeah, no, a hundred percent, a hundred percent, a hundred percent was the right thing. And that, and part of that was, well, I love sports. And that obviously, like you said, was a great thing of keeping me out of the streets in like a daycare, which is I never even thought about it like that, which you really just opened my eyes at that, that which is a great explanation to put it as. Um, another thing was was well with my mom being my number one supporter is sports wasn't everything. If mm-hmm. I got a D or F in math or science, I was not allowed to be on that field. Uh-huh. So so she also made sure grades came first. And yeah, she had it out with a couple of my coaches because they wanted me to play. And she was like, uh-uh, uh that grade wasn't looking right last week. <laughs> so, I mean, from there, that that helped me propel in the school and then mm-hmm. even further in the field because now academics and I feel like uh, athleticism do go hand in hand when you are capable enough to grow and build your strategize or your knowledge of your sport that does help you becoming more of a master of your trade. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just from knowing you, you're a uh, super fiery, like competitive ass guy. So was that something, was that something that like had to be uh, like not pushed on you, but like you had to teach yourself to do or were you always like that from day one? Well, I mean, I definitely wasn't always like that from day one. That's something that's been instilled in me through my family. If you Uh used to grow up with me as a cousin or something like that, you are just as competitive, if not more competitive than me. If we go into the park, I'm with, like, two of my uncles. I am not winning a game all day. <laughs> yes. be, they will beat me 21-0 all day. And I score one point, they are furious. So that, like, just comes from being instilled and being brought up as a competitive nature and always wanting to win and wanting to be one. It's just been – I've been raised that way. <laughs> yeah. Now, in uh, one thing – this is kind of like, you know, skipping ahead a little bit, but I'll start yeah. off, like, the whole, like, you know, how you got into playing football in college and shit like this with this question because I feel like it definitely correlates. Um, you know, for any of the boys that are listening, with what I'm about to say, they're probably going to laugh and, like, <laughs> not really listen <laughs> to what I'm about to ask. Yeah, but yeah. You re- – actually, I shouldn't say you remind me, but he reminds me of you based on what I know of you is Jalen Ramsey. Obviously I'm not saying you two are the same player, but like that attitude, that attitude and that mentality um, when he really started to make a name for himself and obviously he's what he is in the NFL, he's a dog is, and you hear people a lot of times being like, Oh, fuck that guy. He's an asshole. Da, 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 da. Where do you think, and this kind of leads into the whole football thing is where do you think that, it's a fine line of, okay, he's just being cocky or like, he's actually just telling you how it is because his play backs that up. Cause with you, even when we would be in like uh, the, in uh, Bartlett, we'd be playing NHL. Like you wouldn't even know what the fuck is going on. And you're just sitting there, you're still talking mad shit. Like you're still exactly. talking there, talking mad shit. You know, like you, it could be, you could be down like five, nothing in NHL. You go up, you score a goal and you're like, that's right, bitch. I'm coming back. And like, still, so, 
since you're someone that's like that, and obviously, like, you have success in the real world and you were a hell of a football player, how, where do you think that their, their line gets drawn between, okay, that dude is actually for real or versus, like, he's just talking shit and being a cocky fuck for no reason? Well, I mean, that line is such a faded and small, small, small line from confidence and arrogance. Um, I feel like where that line is misinterpreted is when someone is speaking or in a speech. Um, actions do help and push those narratives, whether you're being confident or uh, arrogant. Uh, but I feel like a scenario as in, uh, like you brought up Jalen Ramsey, when he's defending a receiver or when he's uh, just doing, on an interview, say he's defending a receiver, he's being very confident and arrogant at the same time. Arrogance on the field also sometimes displays your character, sometimes in a bad way, sometimes in a great way. Um, mm-hmm. A great way is meaning is you want the best person. So you call yourself the best, you want to line up against the best. Sometimes that can expose you. Sometimes that can uplift you. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's where that's where you have your your ups and downs in there that I see. Confidence is always a boost and always a positive in any in, in any aspect that we're doing in our life here. Uh, like I was confident on a football field. I went in a job interview and I was confident there. I had no fear in my heart that if I was gonna lose, not lose, I was gonna not get the job or get the job. I had zero fear. I was completely confident. Thank thankfully I got the job. <laughs> Yeah, (laughs) but like like I was saying before, with that is if you're screaming and yelling how good you are, um, how you want to be, or just showing off, that's more of an arrogance. But once you put the work and people see your your work, that's when they start to see. Okay, it's not arrogance. He's confident. Uh, Yeah, and. Before we kind of touch on football as, um, mm-hmm. you know, circling this back is, do you think personally, not not given an example, but just in general, do you think that if people were, weren't were afraid of being labeled arrogant and cocky, but actually believe, like, actually, scratch that, I don't want to ask it that way. If, do you believe, because I know you think this, do you believe that if people crown themselves and believed in themselves without having the validation of others give them that first boost of confidence that people would be farther along in life, even though to you, that sounds like a stupid ass question, but like just generally speaking for the podcast as as all. No, I don't think that's a stupid question at all. I think that's a question that needs to be asked more, more out, uh, more openly to people because I actually do think that is something that will push people. Um, you see some people, they do have a uh, depression or um, some other things that do help hold them down. Um, and outside of that, if they instilled or someone else helped instill a little confidence in them, that then upturns and lifts their emotions, how they wake up, um, what they would eat, you know, like everything then is boosted and uplifted to a, a lighter side in their life. And that pushes them to want to be better, you know, when you're not looking down all the time, but, you know, just fixing your posture. You can just say the way someone stands. Uh, you know, if the guy's looking his head down all the time, he looks defeated. And, and you keep your head up and walk around all day. That guy doesn't look defeated. That guy looks like he he wants to be here or he wants to do this work or he can do this work. You know, it, it's just a small thing sometimes that 
we notice in life that uh, do help us in ways. Yeah, and I always want to ask people like you, just like what your take is on it, because for like people that don't know you, I mean, and this isn't something oblivious to you. Like, I know you thought about it before, but like people that don't know you and know who you are as a person, they, they could get lost in translation and be like, oh, Trayvon's kind of an asshole. But like, obviously getting to know you, you're one of the most like down to earth, genuine people. But at the same time, when you're in your either office of business or when you're on the field, when you did play football, it was just barking nonstop. But it was because obviously you prepared yourself to be in that situation and be confident in that situation. Exactly. And with that as well, it comes in with a, a switch, you would say. You know, when I'm inside, when I always have my mindset is outside of the field, I'm Trayvon. Uh, hang out with uh, a bunch of friends, like a bunch of guys. We all kick it. Very cordial, cool. I don't like animosity or problems. On the field, once I enter those green lines, that then becomes a time where I can unleash hell to any and everyone that steps across the field on a different jersey. So that when then becomes where you can really and fully express any, let's say, anger or any showboating you wanted to do, that's your time to let it out. Outside of that, I never felt was the perfect stage or anything to do that. But in the field on or on the court, if uh, someone loves playing basketball, that to me is the perfect time to express and show out where you want to uh, be. Absolutely. And that was definitely something I wanted to ask you. Now, translating into football, um, how was uh, – you played at Huntington High School in Long Island, right? Or did you play yes, at Prep sir. No, I played at Huntington High. Hello, how, uh, how, uh, how were you guys at football? Because I honestly don't know. We were, uh, we were pretty decent, actually. Uh, all the years around, actually, up until my senior year, I was injured and a couple other, other things that was outside of my control happened to ruin our season. And we had to actually forfeit games we won during uh, my senior year. Um, but other than that, we were we we're really good. Made playoffs almost every year. Uh, never won a championship actually, which was very upsetting. You're gonna make me cry over here thinking about it. But um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but other than that, it was a well well put team. Uh, I'm still actually very close with all the guys I play with. Uh, I got a freaking a group message now that's actually going off on my other phone with all these guys. Um, so we're we're still very close in it together. Very close community. Uh, great skill. Now, was uh, I know you you got recruited by uh, a couple D one schools. Where did you have? Were you the only one kid on your team that was getting that those type of looks, or did you? There was other guys getting those type of looks on your team. Um. Well, the way it works, I guess when when I was getting those looks, but because of obviously other people on the team were propelling themselves as well in the eyes of the scouts when they were coming to view me. Um, so my quarterback was getting looks. His name is, uh, Danny Plant. He was getting looks at some D1 colleges. Uh, I had a, a tight end who, not a tight end, sorry, defensive end, uh, Dante, Dante Allen, who also got some, uh, D1 looks as well. Um, I got some offers as well from D1, but unfortunately some things, uh, wasn't able to accept any of the scholarships. So that left a couple D3 schools on the table. And uh, Hobart happened to be one that landed me on this school visit. What um what school what D one schools were you recruited by that you were contemplating? Um, I know Syracuse. They give me a full ride. Uh, UConn. They give me a full ride. 
Uh, Maryland, I was in the conversation with Maryland, which is a school college park I really wanted to go to. Um, they were, were in talks with them. Um, but throughout my high school career from junior to senior year, um, I was really talking to mainly D1 schools up until um, I believe it was the fall of senior year uh, where something occurred with the guidance counselors in Clearinghouse where it actually tarnished all of them and there was nothing for, left for me to accept. Uh, so I had to actually push towards D3. And um, and that's how you pretty much ended up at Hobart? Yeah, 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 pretty much. Uh, one of the things is on that was, well, and I guess I hope kids are listening to this as well when you're in high school, is your NCAA clearinghouse is a huge and major factor into getting into Division One colleges. One of my problems that I didn't do, which I wish going back and helping all the kids that I do now coach and bring up, is to make sure your classes that you're taking are NCAA qualified to pass Clearinghouse. Because if you don't pass Clearinghouse, that in turn didn't allow me to accept any of the D1 scholarships that I did have. Um, so unfortunately, I passed it too late. I passed it, I think, in the spring of my senior season uh, in high school. And because of that, all the scholarships to the schools that I was given full rides to were all given up because they gave them to other kids that they were also going after at the end of the day. Now, when you got to Hobart, did you have a chip on your shoulder in the sense of like, damn, like I know I should be playing D1 ball in like the ACC because Maryland is the school you wanted to go to or even potentially um, at a, a school like, well, Syracuse is the ACC too. That's my bad. But um, did you have a chip on your shoulder? Like, you know, I, I'm going to come in and I'm going to really let it be known that I should be at a D1 school or are you just like, I just want to compete and I want to contribute to W's in any way I can? Or like, what was your mindset getting into Hobart? Well, a little bit of both, but more leaning 70% towards the, I shouldn't be here at this school only uh -huh. because I was so frustrated at the fact of what had happened and transpired in high school, which then propelled me to this. Um, long run now, thinking back at it, I'm not upset. Uh, because of the turnout, but in when I first got there, obviously we we all met up for camp, to maybe two to three weeks before school starts. So you know you I you get a feel of the guy. So you know you walk around seeing the people. Then there's some guys that are larger than you, some guys that are smaller than you. Me coming from the idea of I'm going D1, where I have to get my body right and guys are going to be large and preparing myself to hopefully start my freshman year coming in. I did all the preparation. So as I'm coming into school, um, I was kind of the same size or if not bigger than most of the guys that was starting and things like that. So I was like, it threw me off a little bit. So I was a little bit iffy there. I'm like, all right, maybe I don't belong here. Maybe not. And then I got beat on a couple of plays. I'm like, all right, hold on. I can't. <laughs> hold on. Reality check. <laughs> Reality check. Do you need to shut the fuck up and get the ball in? because <laughs> if you don't do anything, you don't put no tape out there, there's no way to propel yourself to another level, you know? But then as I started to grow and make a tight knit with the guys, like some of my best friends on the team, Parker, uh, Parker Thielander, Jacob Stanley, Elliot Adler, there's a plethora of guys I can name on the team. You know, once I was able to get a tight knit with them, uh, TJ Skamura is another one of the guys. We all just bonded. And that in turn to me, just honest, threw my mind off of uh, the D1 scholarship of transferring out maybe and going to a new school. I was just more in tuned on loyalty 
and making my guys better and my team better. Yeah, and, you know, before we get into it of, like, the group of guys and stuff like that, was there anything during preseason that caught you by surprise that in, obviously, in playing college football that you weren't necessarily prepared for? I mean, obviously, I don't mean prepared for in terms of, like, competition, but I meant, like, you know, the behind-the-scenes shit that a lot of kids aren't put onto or don't know about until they actually get on the campus that you were like, oh, fuck, like – okay, I'm definitely in college, but I didn't realize it was either going to be this much work, the schedule is going to be this rigid, or I was going to have to manage my time like this, or, like, was there anything that, you like, caught you off guard when you first got there? Yeah, definitely time management, because that is a huge, huge, huge thing in college, time management, from the workload at school and comparing the workload to ball, football, because coming out of high school, my whole thought process is I just want to play football for life. I'm, I don't want to do with school. I don't want anything to do with school. I just want to come to college and play football. So, and in turn, when I got there and realized that you really can't play <laughs> without <laughs> having the grades, right? Yeah. <laughs> like this, so that, that obviously weighed a lot in, in school like Hobart. We're not bombarded with so many classes uh, it's a small amount of classes, but obviously a plethora of work to do for those classes. So mm-hmm. that was very time consuming and trying to balance that with social life and then football that it was nearly not impossible, but it was very, very difficult. And that's one of the things I do urge people to take more consideration to. Now, um, obviously, like you said, you had... Uh, like you had Fuller, I had offers from like Syracuse, UConn, and then you had other offers from Maryland and other D1 schools. I asked uh, a couple of buddies I had on the show a couple episodes ago about this, but do you think that it's uh, kind of crazy that 18-year-olds get thrown into college right away and then yeah. by their sophomore year have to pick their major? Because mm-hmm. I find as though like a lot of kids don't even know what the hell they want to do that young. And they don't realize the economics of college. So, yeah. I mean, in your in your case, you got school covered. So, you know, you know, you didn't really have to. You know, looking back, you're probably like, oh, thank God. But do you think that that's something with like guidance counselors or like high schools in general? They need to be having more of those conversations with kids, or they could do a better job with that at least. I definitely do think it's something that they need to do with the kids. I think it's actually not a separate class that takes up a large amount of time. But it's separate, um, let's say, assembly or something or uh, a, a meeting at the school where all the kids come down, college or I'll say starting with the sophomore year, I would say starting these these um, these presentations for student athletes or someone that's potentially looking to get into school and need some certain requirements just to let them know what they need to be looking for. Because honestly, my guidance counselor, she was helping me get into college, but she wasn't helping me to pass NCAA Clearinghouse. And mm-hmm. that's what also not ruined me or, or ruined my career there. It just, I wasn't informed. So if you're not informed about something, how can you, how can you better yourself in that situation? Of course. Yeah. And I always like, I'm curious cause like I luckily got school covered. So, uh, but like a school at like Hobart though, where it's what, like 58, 59 a year. Oh, I think so, like, it's like I've, 60 now. Okay. Okay. Then yeah. Even that. So like, <laughs> like fuck by the time, 
by the time that you graduate and if you don't have say you get you have to pay out of pocket right hypothetically mm-hmm. that's over two hundred thousand dollars that you have to pay back and you know student yeah. loans are with you to the day you die so i always that. am curious what people think on after being in the real world and obviously being out of school for a little bit what that what your thoughts are on that whole idea and conversation because i know you know, a lot of people say, oh, we should have learned about finances. We should have learned about taxes. We should have learned about financial freedom. But, you know, damn well, if that shit was presented to us, we wouldn't have paid attention anyways. So I'm always curious, like, what people think on the whole, like, maybe pushing college back a couple years so people could really, from, like, 18 to maybe 20, figure mm-hmm. out a little bit more of who they are and what they want to do before they go and incur all this debt. So, honestly, uh, I was actually talking to someone else about this a couple uh, a couple weeks ago. My whole thought process on that is you we have four main classes in high school, right? Uh, what mm-hmm. is it? Math, science, English, and uh, social studies. And the rest are electives. Why not take one of those electives and make five main courses for and that main course is to teach kids about life? Because some kids don't go on to college. Some kids tackle life actually while they're in high school. So that helps those kids grow in that moment and knowing what they need to do. So once they leave high school, they now have a a stepping tool or a a guide to go back to and look at for things that, let's say, filing your own taxes or, like you said, mentioned before, financial freedom. Like these are things that we don't learn until we're now 26, 27. And you're like, oh, man, all right, let me try to now get out of debt. All right, now let me try now to go buy a house. Oh, man, wait a minute. And these things all play a factor. Because if you don't know, trust me, there's hyenas out there that will get you. Oh, without a doubt. And I know we had conversations about this, you know, when you came to Boston for uh, – for Patty's Day a yep. couple years ago when me and Mark were living together, like before everyone <laughs> came before. I mean, that, that was just a shit show that we came up before, <laughs> before, uh, before like everyone came over and it was like me, you, Connor, Stanley, Adler, Marino, like we were all just sitting there talking and shit like that. And I know like me and you had that conversation um, because, you know, you obviously have business mentors. I have business mentors. And those were some of the things that I was being put onto was like how you can invest in real estate, how to invest in 401ks, how to yep. invest in compound interest funds. And I was thinking back and I'm like, damn, oh, you only need like at first my mom was like, oh, I don't have enough money to invest. And then like a lot of the mentors I have were like, yo, all you needed to do this young is a couple hundred dollars here and there. And it's like, oh, fuck, like maybe if this was more of like a, you know, standardized like practice and teaching amongst schools, like I just, you know, yeah. think that kids something would that's pushed to the public. Yeah, 100 percent. Exactly. Because then kids would make d- different decisions and shit like that. And then it's like, OK, yeah, you know, you're getting a later start in life. But at the same time, you're not occurring debt that is going to literally fuck you if you don't pay exactly. it back or which... if you don't have a job. Yeah, exactly. And which then creates the masses of rich and poor. And now the creates of even larger, wide gap, and all those items such as that. So, I mean, that all plays a big factor into that. Definitely does. Yeah. Now, you know, getting back to the whole football thing, um, yeah. we, uh, you, you know, you, me, Stanley, Adler, all, you know, all those guys that was like your crew for football and stuff like that. 
you know, I became good friends with you guys because I didn't necessarily, and this isn't even me talking shit. It's just, I necessarily didn't feel as though that uh, for like lacrosse, we had a super like close knit. It felt like a little too clicky in a way. That's kind of why, like I've, you know, always hung out with you guys. Mm -hmm. Um, And like you were talking about earlier, how some of those guys till this day are still some of your best friends, which I thought I was actually just talking to Adler before we got on. I talked to Mark every day and I talked to TJ all the time. Um, How, how important do you think it is? And again, this may sound stupid, but how important do you think that having a group of guys that you're so close with on and off the field playing to the whole uh, college experience as a whole? I believe it's detrimental, honestly, because, now, even though we're outside of college and now living our lives, we still do sometimes talk about college and what happened here and there. But now we're more on to adult things. Like, now we're talking mm-hmm. about stocks. Now we're talking about oh, what house they're buying in or where we're thinking about relocating or moving to. So now it's more of of larger things in the picture. Um, they also give great support, you know, if one's feeling down and they write something in the group. We're all there for a person. We'll call them, like Parker, one of my best friends. He's right in New York City. He has any problems or anything like that. If I'm at work super late, Park, let me crash on your couch. Yeah, no problem. Come right over, crash on his couch. Or I'll work from his home. There's been multiple times when I worked from Parker's house because <laughs> I didn't feel like going home because it was so late, you know? And like that there just gives you extra security knowing you have people that back you in all situations. Yeah, and kind of like going back to, you know, kind of like what fucking 2020 did for a lot of people is I remember, oh, yeah, like I had I had some pretty dark moments in 2020 where like I found myself like calling Mark, like almost standing near in tears, just being like, yeah, I got to I just need a friend I need to talk to you. And then he was actually telling me about how your SSO chat, you guys talk all the time and how randomly out of the blue stanley hit you guys up and was just like yo i you know i we don't say it enough but i just want to tell you guys i love you um and you guys are my dogs and and so kind of you know not like getting wholeheartedly into that but um how important do you think it is as guys especially to just be like whoever your crew is to just be like yo you guys are my dogs if you you know you need anything at all whatsoever i got you because I know when I said that to Mark, he was kind of taken back and he was like, oh, like I never would have in a million years thought you might have been going through something. I thought it was just say me or maybe I thought it was just so and so, but I didn't realize that we're all going through something. Yeah, dude, that's it's it's detrimental, detrimental. Like you said, mentioned before how Stanley just had actually randomly text that. I think that was actually maybe uh, two, two, three weeks ago when he wrote that in the group, because as we all are young and we're all trying to. We're living and building our lives in our moments that we're at now. So in doing that, it's time consuming. So you're not catching up like how we used to be when we hang out at the football house every day after class. Just go there and we're all there from (laughs) five o'clock until either practice and after practice until 12 o'clock in the morning and then just repeat every single day. So we no longer have that bond, but the, the creation of the message, the text message, the Instagram groups or text message groups that still gives us that connection um we do actually so funny with these guys we uh plan sso trips so trips with the boys we haven't done one last year obviously because covid uh because of covid19 <laughs> but we do hopefully try to plan on doing one this year and it's a kind of tradition that we want to keep up with the boys just to keep keep that uh community connect with each other and uh just boys being boys 
you know, just want to be with the guys, fucking hit some balls, fucking shoot some hoops, and just chill out, you know? There's no, nothing, never anything better than that. Where'd you guys go that one year? You guys went to Putacana? Yeah, that was, uh, where we go? I think senior year, we had went to Putacana in college. I think the year after that, we had went to, I think, Chicago. Then I think another year after that, we went to Boston. And then uh, 2020, we didn't go anywhere. So hopefully 2021, we, uh, this year now, maybe we'll, we'll get somewhere hot. <laughs> Enjoy the <water>. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, literally. I remember uh, when, when we all met up, I mean, not me. I mean, I was living there, but like. Um, when you guys were all in our apartment in Boston, I was like, oh, yeah, because I, I transferred and it's been what, like two and a half years since I would like was in the same room as you guys. So I was just like, fuck, I feel like we're back in Bartlett. Like the old, <laughs> exactly. The whole fucking team is out here. Six, oh. fucking, six fucking guys walking in, fucking 30 racks everywhere. Just like, all right, let's get after it, guys. <laughs> no, no, I... <laughs> oh, fuck. Well, um, so. With that being said, like, um, where, uh, so like right after you graduated from Hobart, you got, did you go to grad school at all or did you get right into what you're doing for work? Uh, no, actually, I actually bounced around a couple of times because once I graduated from Hobart, I still was pursuing football. So I, uh, did a couple combines for the CFL. Uh, I did a combine for the NFL. I had flew out to Minnesota for that one at the Vikings training camp. Uh, the combine there. Uh, I played on a semi-pro team for a little bit. And then in, in terms of doing all of that, I was still working. Um, yeah. I guess part-time, you can say my job was part-time and football was the full-time. And then just after a year or two, I just came to the realization, like, maybe this might not work out. Like, as good as you are, only 1% does make it. You can't keep doing this forever, you know? I wasn't in a financial place where i could afford and do all of that for a long duration so that in turn pushed me to then pursue a job in my field which is architectural studies which i was going to turn back to which is why i was glad in turn i did go to hobart because based off the school name itself that gave me a lot of credibility and wherein i was applying for schools or no one else applying for jobs so as my boss said himself, he said, oh, you went to Hobart, right? That's a really smart school. I was like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We're smart. <laughs> well, yo, if you just look at the, if you just look at the group of guys like SSO and then you have everyone in the same room, like no knock against them or even me for that matter. Cause like, but like, you're just like, it's funny because you know who like your homies are at the school. And then when you hear exactly. outsiders, you like, be like, oh, Hobart's a really smart school. It's like almost Ivy League. You're like, ah, I mean, yeah, exactly. yeah, we'll, we'll, yeah. <laughs> of course, I went to Ivy League. Yeah, you can yeah, write it down. <laughs> yeah, I had a, uh, I had a high school teacher that after I committed to Hobart was just like, he's like, he stopped me as I was walking, I was walking past his class, um, and he, he like saw me and he like stopped his class and he came out. And he's like, Mr. Antonio, I heard you're going to Hobart, and I said, yeah, and he goes, and to play lacrosse, I said, yeah, he goes. So D1 lacrosse and a school like that? I'm like, yeah, why? And he's like, I, I didn't know you had it up there mentally. <laughs> and I was like, oh. I was like, I don't know what that means, but sure. <laughs> you know, so, I mean, don't get me wrong. And uh, as you mentioned before, uh, 
just piggybacking on that, it took me a while to know what I wanted to do in college. You know, I first started off going in as um, wanting to be an accountant because I took a school, a class in a high school. And I love accounting, love numbers. I can do numbers all day, every day. It's beautiful. But once I took, what was it? I took Econ 160, no problem. I believe I got into Econ like 300 or something. And I'm like, wait, what the hell is going on here? I don't know if I'm made or built for this kind of stuff like that. But you know what? And at the same time, I was also taking architectural classes. So I'm like building models and items such as that, which is hands-on. And as a football guy, you love being hands-on because that's what you do. You touch things. You touch the football. You catch the football. You're tackling people. So it's a hands-on job and dealing with numbers as well. So in terms of doing that, I honestly felt in love, uh, fell in love with doing architecture. Um, you're putting something on paper and then writing is a tool. Yes, I love a tool, but pictures and structures to me speak a little bit more words because you then in turn have your own interpretation of what you see. And that can mm-hmm. then spark conversations or, or spark critics to to move towards your uh, your work shows an emotion. It can emote something, you know, and that in turn is what I actually really like doing because after a couple of classes creating models, um, <clears throat> you start to see the look on people's faces like, oh, this kid, this kid is good. And it expresses your creative mindset, which is really what allowed me to just be free in the class. Like I said before, I was free in the field. This allowed me to be free. So that's something I gravitated towards 100% once uh, accounting kind of hit the toilet. (laughs) (laughs) Well, a couple questions spinning off of that. One, um, knowing like how close you grew up in New York City, um, within driving proximity, obviously, um, and the skyscrapers and the crazy architectural structures that are all over that city, was that something that played a role into kind of getting you into architecture or not at all? It, it definitely did help, but I wouldn't say it was 100% that. I know in high school, I was a woodshop maniac. I loved the woodshop. I would come home every other day with something new that I've made. And the look on my mom's face, my, as you mentioned before, number one fan. And if I can show her, give her that emotion what could we do to the outside world is how I was thinking in that process. So once I went to college and then made that official transfer over to architecture, hundred percent, things honestly started to just flourish and it was, it was beautiful. Um, but the archi- the architecture in the city, now that I'm more based in the city for work, I see it tenfold and it's even more beautiful. I don't care how long I stare at the same buildings. <laughs> And like you, you see just the the different structural and, and, and integrity that they went through. Like I was looking at a I forget where it was. I was uh downtown Manhattan and one of the new buildings that they just put up, you're looking at it and you're like, What is wrong with this building? And then when you look at it, each floor is offset from the other. So you have one floor, half of it's hanging off the building, and then the other floor above that one is actually straight on. Now, the next one above that one that's straight on is also offset on the other side. So you're like, yo, what the heck? Like, am I bugging out? But the (laughs) structural integrity that they build is like, wow, that is still standing. Like, how did that happen? 
You know, and that, that is just a beautiful thing that you feel. Do you um do you think that kind of like how you were saying, you know, you're in a creative uh, industry and you said you felt more free and like you could do more things thinking creatively and acting creatively. Do you think school as a whole nurtures a creative mind or it nurtures a creative mind to an extent, but it doesn't allow it to go beyond the box to allow it to get into more creative and outside the box thinking. So basically what I'm asking is, do you think that school allows you to be creative within the borders mm-hmm. they give you to play and they don't really allow, and they kind of um, detract kids from going outside the box and really, really thinking out there or like, what's your thought on that? Well, I would guess I would have to say that's depending on your study. Um, Cause obviously architecture allows you to explore. I built a building literally a building off of taking a picture of literally berries on a tree. I had to build a building off that, just the concept of it. So that, mm-hmm. that that's what I mean as allowing you to be free with your creativeness. Some classes don't allow you to be as free as you want to be. Like I mentioned before, the econ class, there's not really much freedom there besides getting that equation correct. <laughs> <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> Like you may have the freedom that you have is uh, maybe exploring a different equation that that helps you get to that answer. But most of that stuff, you're you're, you're locked down to the grid and you got to operate the way they uh, tell you to. Yeah. And what about from the more general like general studies type uh, perspective, like in high school, per se, like like you said, like not. Um, and the only thing I could think of that comes to mind is like, obviously, you know, not bashing gym teachers or gym class, but for most of us, we know how to dribble a basketball. We know how to shoot a hockey puck, throw football. So giving kids that option of, okay, maybe not doing um, physical education and doing more like life education and, or doing a workshop. If you're someone that you think wants to go into like a creative art or music, or like you said, like being a designer of some sort. So like, what do you think about that? I mean, I think those are, those are great routes. Uh, I mean, I know they have them as uh, electives in some schools, mm-hmm. such as that. But as a as a main course, as I mentioned before, one of the main courses would be um, financial freedom or or some sort of that, or just expressing your freedom and creativeness. Yes, you do get that in turn when you become a, what is it like a junior when you start to pick your own uh, schedule. I think it is. That's yeah. When you that's when you begin to have more of a creative mind there that's when they first allow you to start opening up that box um but i still do think it's a bit more confined in high school um Mm -hmm. which i don't mind it needing to be because you're still uh not an adult yet so sometimes those freedoms can be too much for for kids at that moment where they overuse or overwork that freedom and then in turn can then bite them in the butt in the in the long run so i definitely don't mind the outside thinking of the box and in high school but we do sometimes have to limit that but in college i think our minds should soar as high as they can yeah and is there anything that you've learned i mean obviously there obviously is but what would you say let me ask that differently then what would you say were um, some very important things that you learned in architecture or just obviously from business mentors and, you know, business people you have that you surround yourself with that you left the conversation or you left the room being like, fuck, man, like, th- why didn't I learn this in school? 
it, like obviously there's probably a lot, but what would you say are like some of the top things? I know one of the top things is definitely um, what was it? Excel, Microsoft Excel. Oh my gosh, that <laughs> thing is a different fucking animal, man. Like I'm like I'm so I'm I'm good with it now, but when I first got to the job, I was that just like, yeah, you know how to do this formula, that formula. I'm like, there's formulas in this thing. <laughs> I, was like, <laughs> I was like wait what <laughs> so like those kind of things like it took me for a loop I was like I've never even toyed with this like I didn't even know you could put formulas in this well granted now I'm almost an expert at it but like those are things that I wish I knew going in because those are real good like these like I mentioned before those are resume builders or other things that can help you on something small like you're organizing your shoes you can put a Microsoft Excel sheet together, you know, like it, it's just the small things that do help in, in all aspects of life. Uh, so let's see, Excel was another one. Um, uh, another one was the taking criticism because some, crit, not all criticism is bad criticism. And that's what I learned in architecture because in college we would, build a model and then after we have done with that model we would all then go to the next class would be instead of sitting down and building another model we would all then review them the mm -hmm. teacher the professor will bring in different architectural professors or an actual architect that they have uh around in the area who's just visiting that there some sort and they would sit there and critique your work some critiques you can't take to heart because it's not like they're bashing you. They're trying to help you uplift what they see here, you know? And, and then in turn, I had to, sometimes like I looked at it as like, are you serious, bro? Like, did you not know I was here? They didn't see the work that I put in. Like I was here for three days for 72 hours straight. They didn't see that work. But in, in with that, you do have to take that sometimes rushing things is not a good thing mm -hmm. now you know being being in the industry like where you are now that's like super competitive and then obviously having the sports background you do um i personally think that sports is like the biggest metaphor in life because it teaches 100%. you how to work because it because it teaches you how to work with people it teaches you how to fight through adversity it teaches you how to um if you're in an organization or you're a part of the team and you're not getting um, I don't know how it would translate into work necessarily, but if you're not getting the recognition or the time per se that you expect there, mm -hmm. you're obviously whoever your bosses or your coaches has you in that position. So you can figure it out why you're not. And then it's versus you just not belonging at all. So what are some things that um, you've learned throughout sports that you've tried to translate into your career and what you're doing? So based off that, honestly, it's it's patience um patience and the way you interact and communicate with your individuals or your, your your comrades on the field or in the workplace you know you need to know sometimes when it's right to switch on that it's work mode and nothing but work mode and when it's time you can switch on and you can have laugh here 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 and there uh but also with sports that's a big thing in life is it it, it gets you acclimated to being on a schedule and uh 
being on time and being on time and being on a schedule is vital in this not I want to say new world, but in the you know, in this new world for me because we're now <laughs> no longer in college, but in <clears throat> the real world because I've to this day there's maybe been I've been at my job for maybe four years. I can count on one hand how many times I've honestly been late. Mm-hmm. You know, so that is a huge factor. And then sometimes when you have that on your resume to jobs. They prefer someone that's been in sports because they know the background that they have. With going off of that, has there been times or examples that you might have that when you first were starting in the industry that you had to rely on the lessons you've learned in sports or the experiences you have in sports to kind of get you through it because it was a new issue or say like new adversity that you haven't necessarily faced before and you didn't know where else to lean on besides that experience that you had in sports to get you through it? Oh, 100%. And I'll give you a prime example. During my uh, first 30 or 60 days at the job, you know, it's I was brand new um, into the job. So it's totally different than what I was studying and everything like that. Everything I studied pretty much hit the trash can once I got my job. Because it it literally didn't correlate to each other. So Mm -hmm. the only thing that honestly correlated was the way I studied and prepped for football games. It's now the way I needed to study and prep for work. Mm -hmm. So in those steps that I took there, did help me propel and push myself to become better faster. And do you find that uh, working in New York... And having it be like the cutthroat environment that it is plays a role into how you operate as like a business person on a day-to-day basis or no? I think it does because I've seen um, and been involved in um, so a, a couple of things that let's say there was one time, this was a side business from uh, a side hustle from my uh, construction business is I was building, I was doing drawings for a, a bar that one of my uh, my cousin's friends was doing. They wanted to walk this building and they wanted to do some drawings and everything such as that to get this place rolling. And so I'm doing all the legwork, doing the drawings. I mean, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm like, I'm on printer paper, hand to paper, doing them by myself before I throw them on the computer so I know all the measurements is right. I'm there taking measurements and doing all this for the guy to go, you know what? I don't want you to do any of this. Thank you. I'm like, uh, dude, this is not like free. Like what's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> like I didn't just come out here and take my time for these, these two to three weeks for no reason. I'm up to 12 in the morning working down there, two jobs to like try to get this going, you know? And that in turn, I'm like, there's no contract. There's no work. So that was a big, like, you really have to have things in writing and uh, nowadays in order for it to uh, almost be successful. Have you had any more of those problems since? Nope. Nope. Not at all. Because when they asked me, I said, nope. (laughs) (laughs) Nope. (laughs) I was about to say, I can see you just being like, nah. (laughs) You get me one, shame on me. You won't get me again. (laughs) No, that's facts. That's facts. Now, um, you know, like kind of, you know, starting to wrap this up here because, you know, we've almost been on for about an hour or so. Oh, wow. Um, Check that. 
that that's what I'm saying. Like once we get talking, it just I told you that was gonna happen. <laughs> I just actually looked right now. I said we were at 56. I was like, oh fuck. <laughs> so um, you know, kind of going back to you know everything that we've talked about and everything that we've touched <laughs> on and stuff like that. Uh-huh. Um, you said that you like talking to you know the youth and the younger uh, younger kids and stuff like that. What yep. would if you're talking to a kid and you're running say like a football camp? What what advice would you give that kid on? the two things the mentality and the mental uh fitness that they need to have going into college or at least trying to get recruited and then what advice would you give them on getting recruited and what the whole recruiting process is like so uh, the to answer your first one the, the mental aspect um what i would suggest for kids that want to go on to play college sports is to really be involved in the sport so it's one thing to just play the sport, and it's another thing to know the sport. If you're playing the sport, you want to master the sport. So it's not like, all right, it's five of us going down to play hoops, five-on-five five basketball. We can go and play five-on-five five basketball all day, but we're just normal guys. If we go and play against kids that know how to play ball, five-on-five five basketball, they're going to be running plays, they're going to be moving their body in certain ways and contorting the way their body in certain ways that we didn't think or that we didn't know to do because they took the extra step in knowing the sport, not just playing the sport. And that was one of the main things that did help me propel in college is uh, my junior year, I was putting together some of the defensive packages and the, the game plans with the coach. He would call me into the office. We would watch some of the film, and we would put in new plays and put in new formations based off what we've seen. And to me, I that was one of my highlights in college because I felt that that's something I, I really love doing at the sport. Like, it's one thing to do it yourself, but it's another thing to set up someone and see them do it. And then that's like, wow. Like, yeah, like now, 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 now we can, now we're really playing or now we really understand the game. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that's one of the things I really do push the kids is no matter what you do, uh, whether it be sports, writing, reading, whatever, make sure you know what you're doing, not just doing it, but know what you're doing it through, through and through. Um talking i kind of forgot the second question now you want to give that back to me (laughs) yeah yeah now um after that was if a kid came up to you and i mean i didn't ask it this way but i will ask it this way if a kid came up to you and said hey coach trey or hey trayvon i want to play college ball you know Mm -hmm. i want to get to school make you know make something of myself what advice do you have to that kid on the recruiting process as a whole and advice you would give them maybe on things that you didn't know, but looking back, you know, the vision's 2020. So in advice, I would give a kid that wants to go on and to play sports in college. Um, I would definitely tell them, as I mentioned before, to make sure that their grades in the NCAA clearinghouse meets up. Because that is one thing that can definitely screw you over. If your grades are not up to par in your SAT scores, I think they still take SATs, right? Uh-huh. If your, yeah. If your SAT scores are not 
incompatible with each other, then the NCAA clearinghouse does not care. They do not pass you until that is possible. So that's one thing that is major, 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 major. Also, always check in with your guidance counselor to confirm the classes that you are taking are NCAA um, qualified. If they're not qualified, you can take them if it's your pleasure. But if it's not qualified and you're looking to get to that next level, make sure you pay attention in those classes. And last question I was saying was um, based off on how what kids should do uh, in order if they want to reach that level. Um, one is work your ass off. I mean, mm-hmm. there's times where training I passed out because I you literally got to want it that bad. You have to really want to change your situation or really want to make it because nowadays with the limited of schools and sports that actually are playing right now with everything going on, it's very vital and, and important that you put the work in yourself outside of the team because you doing that shows them that, okay, he's all in. Mm-hmm. And once you show them you're all in and you can constantly keep that up and moving forward and then excelling, that in turn is going to turn eyes. Then the second, the main part of that is, like I said the first time, is making sure that you're qualified to pass NCAA clearinghouse. Make sure that is possible. <clears throat> Those are two vital things right there. Yeah, because that fucked you big time. Big time. <laughs> big time. Now, <laughs> yeah. Now, um, another thing I wanted to ask you is you've always seemed like you have been the type of person that's always like at least, you know, not maybe not specifically, but in some realm have known like who you are as a person and what you want. How vital is it, to, at least in your opinion, for you know, younger kids to try to figure out that at a younger age and try to get around um, either business mentors or people that can really help you get to and accomplish your goals. And kind of going off of that, I know we touched on it a little bit, like at Hobart, how crazy the alumni networking is. So like that, to me, that opened my eyes to, okay, it, it does matter what I know, but more important than that, it's also like who I know. So yep, I, and when I left Hobart, I made it a major priority and I still do to, even if I'm not in say Hobart's network per se, I'm still reaching out to Hobart alum, Hobart guys and stuff like that. And I try to do that with everything that I'm involved in or want to at least be involved in, in life. So, you know, you talking to younger kids, is that a point of emphasis you make with them? Cause I feel like that's something you've always done or like, where do you stand on that? Well, I mean, I, it's, it's difficult sometimes because you don't, I can't really judge each kid's individual um, backgrounds. But what I do try to give the kids is a little bit of hope to pushing to a, a better themselves. Sometimes knowing themselves may take a little bit longer. Um, uh, I know situations I've been through that, force it to be faster than normal. Mm -hmm. Um, And that may be the same for some of those kids out there. Uh, But if it's not, then what it is, is just putting your head to the grindstone and uh, really just doing the work on you. It's it's a one-on-one kind of thing. It's no one else, but the only person that can do it is the one in the mirror. And um, helping kids grow is, is honestly one of the things I love. It's um, 
something that you see in their eyes or they smile every time you see them it's 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 a, it's a blessing in itself and to help kids get out of the areas or the mindsets that they were in it's a it's a beautiful thing and that in turn it can also help them uh find themselves absolutely and kind of you know leading into that it's the second last question i have for you how uh, what is your thought and like where do you stand on the whole you know your thoughts create your reality can you repeat that again you said what the your thoughts creating your reality your thoughts creating your reality yeah <clears throat> so on that i mean oh, what do i stand by that i do think that's a strong statement if your thoughts are in the correct place meaning as and if you're constantly thinking positive, 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 and you're pushing that, then those actions do follow that. So your actions, uh, your thoughts do in turn turn to actions. So if you're constantly thinking positive thoughts, positive thoughts, then the outcome is going to be positive. It has to be positive because you in turn made it positive. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It, if you're constantly thinking negative, um, there could be a positive moment right there in front of you, but you don't see that. You just see the negative side of that. You know, you see the things that you didn't get and not the things that you were granted. So that does play, that, that's that's the only part of that I don't like. I always love to preach positivity on anything or all positive thoughts on any and every situation that we're all involved in. Yeah, no, and I I know that you're definitely a positive-minded person, and that's something that, uh, you know, is tied into who you are, so that's why I wanted to ask that. And now, um, final, the final question I have for you is if you could meet, <laughs> if you could meet a, uh, if you could meet a younger Trayvon, like if you could meet yourself when you're younger, the oldest you are is 18, but you could be younger, if you were to meet younger Trayvon today, what would you tell him about life and what to carry with him moving forward in life? I'll tell him, you know, Bitcoin right now. (laughs) 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 But no, in speaking real terms, uh, I would just tell him to don't stray too far, you know, uh, where I'm at. I'm not upset, you know, Uh, I'm I'm happy. Um, So don't stray too far. But I will say, um, push yourself even more uh, because there's some opportunities that that have come up that you will miss if if you're not prepared uh, for that moment. So push yourself to be as best as you can. Absolutely. And then even though I said the last question about a million times already, <laughs> this is actually the last question. <laughs> what's the what's the record for your bum ass jets this year? <laughs> oh my God. You, you know, knew that. You know, I know that was gonna fucking come up. Uh-huh. Let's see. Let's see. I gotta get my guys. You see, you should ask me this shit after the damn draft, man. Cause we're gonna we need to get some major players, but I'm giving us you know we're gonna nah, I can't say Super Bowl. You recorded me. <laughs> uh, I give us we're gonna go eight and eight again, most likely. <laughs> eight and eight. Yeah, we're gonna uh, go eight and eight again. Who you snagging? Are you snagging a QB or wide receiver first? If it's my pick, I'm definitely getting a wide receiver, and then our next pick, I'm getting O line. Because right now, I mean, we got Sammy D. He he don't what he do. No, I you mean, don't. But, Oh, no, that's right. We got rid of him. 
Fuck. Yeah. Look, I don't even know, man. I gotta get back <laughs> on it. What the fuck? Look, you got me on it. You got me on ESPN right now. <laughs> right now, I'm already on. Well, ESPN. all right, fine. Then I'll change that. I'll change that question. Did you like the? Did you like the trade or no? Honestly, I didn't until I. I honestly want them to go for Watson. I, I really wanted them to take Deshaun, so I mm-hmm. think that's still and I still I think that's still in a play. Um, uh-huh. If uh, the Texans aren't tied back down on him, um, I uh-huh. do still think that's a play. I think that's why they honestly got rid of him. Uh, but if we do take a cue first, oh my gosh, I feel like we're just gonna be back in the same thing. It's like people get drafted to the Jets to start their career once they leave. <laughs> It's really upsetting. Like now, Sammy D is gonna go to the Panthers and be disgusting. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I thought, dude, I think he's good. He's just in a shitty ass situation. Hundred percent. Most of the Jets rookies are when they get drafted. Yeah. So I fucking you know being a Bills guy, I had to ask that shit to you. Yeah, fucking shitty ass Bills. <laughs> One year, and you guys are all happy. Get the hell out of here. <laughs> uh, yo. All right, yo. Well, I, you know, I know you're busy as fuck, so I appreciate you doing this and taking the time to do this with me. So, no doubt, thank you, brother. Oh, of course, of course. So we'll have to link up sometime soon. I mean, I'm definitely gonna be in the city a decent amount this summer because my buddy Joe just got a got a job with the FBI. So, and my other buddy Mike just got a job in there. Yeah, so I'll definitely be down um, this summer. So I'll see you at some point. But yeah, again, I I appreciate you doing this. Means a lot. So thank you on that. No doubt, my guy. Have a good day. Yo, let me know when you're in the city, too. We'll definitely link up. Oh, for sure. For sure. So, all right, all right bro. Brother. I'll catch you. All right.